Hello. Um, now, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Michelle. I'm married to um, the lovely James Herring. And um, if you do know me, I would like you to pretend for a moment that you don't know me. Okay? So imagine I introduce myself to you this morning and I say, I have incredible riches. I am super wealthy, immeasurable, unfathomable riches, and I'm feeling generous this morning. What do you need today? What would your reply be? Would you like me? <laughs> would you like me have a substantial list of things that you want, or would you, you would your response be more like the Apostle Paul, who said, um, "Actually, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed." Or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. What would your response be? I have a terrible habit of going through my day muttering to myself, I really need XYZ. I even persuade my husband he needs XYZ. And so the next day we end up with a pile of Amazon parcels. By this point, I've forgotten what it is I thought I needed. I so easily get into this consumerist perspective of what I think I need. And so I am really challenged when we look at passages like we're looking at today, where Paul is able to speak about being completely content. It's thought-provoking, isn't it? Because if God, as the creator of all things, who has access to vast treasuries in heaven who is able to and wants to meet all your needs. If he is that, and the Bible says he is, then why does Paul say, I'm content in the dire situation he's in, remembering, of course, he is in prison? Why doesn't he say, God, you can meet all my need. Release me from prison. Please, can I just have a a nice house and a quiet life? Why doesn't he say that? Because if I were poor and telling others that God were able to meet all their needs, I would be really conscious of showing them all the lovely, nice, shiny things I had. Because being in prison and relying on the charity of others doesn't particularly seem aspirational, does it? But he doesn't do that. Instead, Paul is writing to the Philippians from prison because he has been completely surrendered to God, living his life for Jesus. He has lost pretty much everything, yet he can still encourage others to rejoice. He can talk about knowing the peace of God. He can talk about being content in every situation. And he says he's able to do all these things because God has strengthened him. Wow. Honestly, are we of the same mindset as Paul? Do I live life with that attitude? Do you live life with that attitude? How is Paul able to say this? If I could summarize what the book of Philippians teaches us about Paul's life, it would be this. Living because of Jesus. Living like Jesus. Living for Jesus. Living with Jesus. 
Lots of the same words there, but very different meanings. Paul has given God the opportunity to strengthen him in all these things because he has completely emptied himself of ambition, of pride, of any hint of living for himself. He even says previously that to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he absolutely meant it. His life on earth was totally fixed on one goal, living for Jesus. And as I've been preparing this talk, I've been asking myself the question, do I give God the opportunity to strengthen me in all things? Or do I try to live life my own way? Do I try to do life in my own strength? Do I try to supply my own need? What motivated Paul to live the life he did wasn't ease or financial security, fast donkeys or fancy holidays. His motivation was in knowing the riches of Christ. He was able to live above circumstance, whether in want or in plenty, because he knew that the treasure was in knowing Christ. Paul's heart wasn't invested in what the world had to offer. It was invested in heaven. And in response to how he lived his life, Jesus was able to strengthen him and meet his needs. Um, We got a new car recently. Our old car is still going, but it is a wreck. Um, To start it, you need a pair of mole grips um, to attach the battery. And to park it, you need to put it into sixth gear and stall it. So we thought, with new wine coming up, we probably could do with a new car. And um, it's a funny thing buying a car in England. It's not like in Guernsey, where we used to live, where you um, just get the most beaten-up wreck of a car. You pay, it's really cheap, and people just drive around in wrecks because there's no MOT, there's no road tax. So basically, anything with wheels goes. Um, But it's different here in the UK. Cars can cost quite a lot of money, can't they? And um, so if you have this nice, shiny new car, um, you can look like you're in the money, can't you? But the truth is that as soon as you have purchased that car and driven it off the forecourt, you have immediately depreciated its value. It's not worth the money you just paid for it. And if you sold it on, it would be for far less than what you paid for it in the first place. So much of what this world has to offer is decreasing in value. It is depreciating. It's deteriorating. And this is a little bit what it's like in this life when um, we spend all our time, our money, and invest our hearts in things of now, the things of this world. The things of this world are fleeting. They are depreciating in value all the time even the price of precious metals, what people thought was most secure, has gone down. And as followers of Jesus, we need to invest in the right things. We need to invest in the things that are of infinite worth and value. And if you are in Christ, if you know Jesus, you have access to this. The minute you said yes to Jesus, you had access to the riches of heaven. And it's these riches Paul was confident God would supply us with that are the things we need to live this life into eternity. So what are they? When we become followers of Jesus, we are able to come close to the God who created all things. 
we are accepted as his children, and he adopts us into his family. We receive his mercy as a result of what Jesus' death on the cross accomplishes. Our slate is wiped clean. Every mistake we've ever made, ever will make, has been blotted out. We are made totally acceptable, not by anything we ever do, but purely by the grace of God. We are guaranteed our eternity with him in heaven. Before we knew God, we were spiritually dead. We had no hope of eternity. We were cut off from his presence. But when we put our faith in him, we have the guarantee that when this life is over, we will be with him in heaven, where he says there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more sorrow, but endless joy, perfect peace, always. When we belong to Jesus, we become secure in who we are. Our identity is no longer about what we do or what we earn or what we look like. So often what drives our desire to pursue riches in this world comes from this deep insecurity inside ourselves. We can feel the need to be important. We can become obsessed with building our little empires having everything our way to validate our worth. But when we have the riches of Christ, we are set free from this. We are free from chasing after forever moving goals that are unreachable. Our identity is just in being a child of God, being known, loved, accepted, and significant. We don't have to strive or compare ourselves to others. We are already loved for who we are. We can know the grace of God at work in our lives. His provision of jobs, of money, friendship, family. God doesn't deny us any of these things. He wants to bless us. Money, wealth, riches, they can all be incredible um, forces for good on this earth. But Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Jesus knew our hearts cannot be divided. We cannot love both Jesus and money. We need to choose. Like Paul, we need to choose to live above our circumstances, to be content in plenty or in want. This is where we find our peace. His riches include experiencing his goodness, his kindness, and the many blessings we receive daily. Have you ever stopped to think where your next breath comes from? or the breath of your children. It is from God. It is completely an act of his grace that we are here. He is the one that sustains us, turns the earth on its axis, provides the oxygen we need. And one of my favorite riches that I'm always asking God um, to meet my need with is hope. Because the Bible says he has poured his love into our hearts, We do not need to face anything alone. We have hope to overcome anxiety, to overcome sickness, depression, anger, fear. Hope to simply take another step, to embrace another day. I could go on. I haven't even talked about God's compassion, God's healing power, etc., etc. And these are the riches 
that do not decay or depreciate in value. These are the riches of eternal significance. Um, I once heard a talk on the brevity of this life in comparison to eternity, and it was illustrated like this. You might have seen this. Our life is just this front cover. It's just, this is us. And eternity is more like this. All these pages, all these many pages. But imagine that going on and on and on and on, literally forever into eternity. What are we going to invest in? And God certainly is able to meet our material needs on this earth. I could share so many stories of God blessing our family um, with material things. I could have spent this whole sermon just talking about the things that God has provided us with. He doesn't begrudge the wealthy or having nice things. He is the giver of all good things. But he knows ultimately our love of these things will just take us deeper into misery. And because God is our creator, in his wisdom, he knows what we need. The real riches as Christians we need to concern ourselves with are the ones that enable us to live lives that glorify God to our fullest. This is where we find our peace, and this is where we find our purpose. As followers of Jesus, we always need to be checking our hearts and asking ourselves, who am I living for? Am I living for myself, or am I living for Jesus? Are we of the same mindset as Paul, that for us to live is Christ and to die is gain? I want to close by asking the same question I did earlier this morning. What do you need today? Do you need forgiveness? Do you need to know you are loved and accepted? Do you need heavy burdens to be lifted off your shoulders? Do you need the peace of God to remove the heavy load of anxieties, of worries that you carry? Do you need hope that things will change because God works all things to the good of those who love him, despite how circumstances look? Do you need comfort? Are you lonely? Are you grieving? Do you need to know that God is with you and will never leave you or forsake you? Do you need to be free from materialism or free from a fear of lack? And lastly, did you know that God considers us to be his greatest riches? We are his greatest treasure. No one has ever paid a greater price than Jesus on the cross for us. And so if you know Jesus this morning, just ask him in your heart, Jesus, what is it that you think I need? What need are you going to meet in me today? Okay, I'm just going to pray for us. Lord Jesus, we just thank you that you are the high king of heaven, that there is not one thing you do not see, there is not one thing you do not own. Lord, thank you that you have access to the greatest treasuries in heaven, 
and yet you would come down as a man and give all of that up for us so we could know you. Jesus, we thank you that you meet our truest needs. Lord, we say we love you. God, give us wisdom to live for you, to live above circumstances and to fix our eyes on you. Amen.